Hello and welcome to episode 256 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew, the real deal Ferguson. How are you? Reeling and dealing as always. Excellent. That's the way that the people love it. They do love it. You know what else they love? Let me guess. Have a guess. Smooth balls. Man, nailed it in one. Ah, well, two anyway. Two even, yes. You know, if you go to manscaped.com, right, and you put in our code, which is exclusive to our podcast, which is NRL, just three letters, NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping on everything that is sold at manscaped.com uh, from the Lawnmower 3.0. You can get the the package, the perfect package 3.0. We recommend the performance package because it comes with everything. And it is the number one way to get your boys looking good for summer. We're coming into summer into the Southern Hemisphere. You don't need a bush. I mean, I know you've grown your, your fucking COVID bush. You've got to get rid of that, fellas. Okay? Yeah. It's, party, gotta... it's, it's party time now. Exactly. You've got to be able to get that sucker out and be proud of it. Yeah. So you go to manscaped.com, put in the code NRL, 20% off, free shipping. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee with all of their products because they know you won't need to take anything back because it is all of the best of the best in personal care. And, uh, I mean, it's November, let's be honest. It's when the cricket starts. It's also when the streaking starts. Mm-hmm. Don't go out there looking like, you know, someone's buddy hedge. Get exactly. that shit in order. Yeah, you, you gotta, you've got to get ready and prepare your pitch. And that's what we all should be doing. That's why we go to manscaped.com. As you should. Mm-hmm. As you should. Now, um, not much in the world of rugby league news at the moment, but um, one thing that has come out is the International Rugby League has decided that there will be no Golden Boot awarded this year. Yeah, well, considering that, uh, you know, the rugby league played at international level. Oh, wait, there was games. So yeah. they've just ignored them. There was two games, one official game. Yep. So therefore... We met the target to have a International Rugby League Player of the Year award named. Yes. Now, as we've discussed before, the rules and the boundaries as to who wins the gold boot have been shifted sort of yeah. biannually. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They've moved them all over the place depending on how they want the award to be handed out. Um, we've, I mean, some of the award winners are absolutely ridiculous and quite honestly pathetic. Yeah, it's it's um it was surprising they didn't come out with a possible uh different different sort of protocol this year around to try and make sure they're still awarded to someone. Yeah, I thought that they would probably give it to a I really thought they'd give it to a super league player. Yeah, given they've played more games. I, like I I must admit I had my money on uh on Lachlan Coot nailing it. Yeah, mine was on Bevan French. He's had a pretty solid year. Yeah. Oh, well, it's also you could get a situation where they could have said, well, French guy won it that one year. Bevan French. Yeah. 
that that could have been um, the closest France would ever get to winning the award, I guess. Possibly. For now, they for will now, eventually now. overtake the Poms. I've been saying that for a long time. They're getting there. Yeah, yeah. They're Baby waiting. steps. Yeah. Um, so they've decided not to award a 21. As we know, Netherlands played Germany in September. We watched it. We watched it. We commentated mm-hmm. the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said on Twitter that um, I think that given that there was an international game, we should have a, you know, whoever we deem to be the best player from that match should be the Gold Boot Player of the Year award. I if, agree. Uh, if, this, if this is the the hill that the the game wants to set itself up on as, you know, in regards to awarding this award, then they need to stick to it. And just because Australia, England, and half the Pacific nations aren't able to have a player in there, you made that bed. You've got to lie in that bed. Yep. That's why a lot of us are critical of them when they said, oh, it's only international games only. This is why it was foolish to make it international games only. Yeah, and, like, um, the thing that has always been been the ridiculous thing about this water and it's been ridiculous for many different reasons of many different years but the reason that it is ridiculous lately over the last few years is that i mean there's been times where it's been awarded as soon as australia's played their last game or england's played their last game and we've still had internationals after that point yes and the international rugby league and the people who run this award have been just so dismissive of the wider game and that's why like it is so ridiculous because it has either been a case of well we're going to give it to somebody in the australian team if they jump out at us and we would really love to give it to someone from england even though that's completely ridiculous and i I just don't like the way it's been so dismissive of other players in other nations um you know, this is an award that Tommy Mackinson has won and Jason Tamalolo has not. Yes. Actually, I was going to ask you just for a bit of fun. Can you name all of the Englishmen who have won the Golden Boot? Oh, look, I, I've, I know the list. I, I've seen the list up until Andy Farrell, right? So I don't know the top of the list. I'm guessing that... Uh, what's that? Uh, you know, he's super forgettable. But I'm going to say that prick with the moustache, did he win it? <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about too, don't you? Are we talking back in the earlier days? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gary Schofield? That's his name. <laughs> yes, he won it in 1990. Okay, so he's the only other one I would guess. Oh, no, well, Ellery Hanley won it. Ellery Hanley won it. And my God, that was an unbelievable season he had in 88. Ellery Hanley deserved it. Absolutely. That prick with the moustache didn't, though. Well, yes and no. He I did. mean, it was, probably, it was probably one of his better seasons. And then Andrew Farrell winning it was Andy, just... Yeah. Andy Farrell got in 2004. Disgrace. Um, and then promptly left immediately to go and play in the centres in Rugby Union. There's been two Englishmen since then. You've already named one in Mackinson. Who was the other one? Yeah. Kevin Sinfield. That's the one. You're, Mr. you're all right, mate. Yeah, Mr. Barely a First Grader in Australia, Kevin Sinfield. Mr. Reliable. Remember all of the amazing things that he did at international level? Huh? Yeah, exactly. 
I think the only game he won against Australia international level, he come off the bench. Correct. And it was near the start of his career from memory. There you go. Let's have a look at that. And people will say, look, why do you only bring up their failures when that's the only thing they have? That's what not are we their, supposed to talk about? That's not their failure. That's their success. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're talking about their good things here. Yeah. Probably ran on as a fucking hooker. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, there's actually only... There's been five Poms and yeah. only five Kiwis as well. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And look, Roger Tulvasashek won it last year. And that, yes. was a bit, that was a bit ridiculous as well. Uh, Sean Johnson in 2014. From memory, that was ridiculous. Benji Marshall, twenty ten. Yeah, he he deserved it. Yeah, that was that was impossible to ignore him on that one. Yeah. Um, and Hugh McGann, I think in eighty seven might have been equal. Yeah, he was equal with Peter Sterling. Stacey Jones won it too. Oh yeah, he did too. Just yeah. after Andrew Johns. Yeah, he was overrated, Stacey Jones. So there you go. And the rest were Aussies. Yep. Yep. It's interesting because I have the King of Rugby League awards, right? Yes. I've never thought about the nationalities that have won it. So let's have a look. So. Well, obviously you're going to have a Scotsman in there. <laughs> Maybe not. So. A Welshman? No. A New South Welshman. <laughs> Well, plenty of New South Welshmen. I tell you, okay, so Roger Tuovasashek won it in 2018. Last year, it's obviously James Tedesco. 2017, Jason Tomalolo. So straight away, you know, we're starting to build up the uh, different nationalities here. Yeah, you didn't have Mackinson. I didn't have Mackinson. I overlooked him, but there was a good reason, because he's <laughs> terrible. Um, Benji Marshall won it. One year. Uh, I'm just going back through the list, seeing if there's any other nationalities that won it on here. No, that's it. So I've got one more nationality that's won the King of Rugby League Award than has won the Golden Boot Award. How about that? How far back do yours go? Uh, mine go back to 1993. There you go. Mm. So if we actually go all the way back to 80... 88, you'll actually get an Englishman in there. Yeah, you're right, actually. Oh, yeah, 88, Ellery Handley. I, I don't think there'd be any problems with naming him. He's one of the best players in the world back then. He was best one of the best players in the world for a long time, actually. Yeah, but that year was just fucking smoking hot. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I always think that a list like that should... You should be able to look at it and see who the absolute best of the best were over time. And I feel as though that's the difference between the Golden Boot Award, which doesn't do that, and the King Rugby League Award, which I'm willing to say you're part of now. The King of Rugby League one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we, can, we consult about it. We do. Yeah. Um, uh, business without uh, notice here. Yes. Another award sort of award mm-hmm. that's been in the media briefly mm-hmm. was uh, the Immortals. Oh, yeah. Peter Vlandis came along and said that he's thinking about waiving the, you know, the time since someone's retired before they get inducted into the immortality list, which yeah. is obviously a nod that he wants to give one to Cameron Smith straight away. 
And my suggestion around that is, um, before I go into my plan, which we've probably done before, is mm-hmm. remember when Thurston and Lockyer and all those guys retired Mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about, oh, they'll be in Immortal for sure. They'll be in Immortal for sure. Yeah. And it's only been a few short years since then. And you don't hear people talk about them anymore. Yeah, I agree. And, and even last year, it was, oh, Cooper Cronk is possibly an Immortal. It's like, he just isn't. He just yeah. isn't a very good player, but not an Immortal. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Cameron Smith won't be. I'm fairly confident that Cameron Smith will become an Immortal. Yeah. that To me, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. But it does show how quickly we move on from players after they retired if there was something about them that may not have been, you know, absolutely out of this worldly about them. Like Cameron Smith is out of this world. There's no doubt about it. I mean, mm-hmm. more games than anybody else. He's done it all in the middle, a shit ton of defense as well, and the highest point scorer the game's ever seen. And the most successful player the game's ever seen. Yeah. It's going to be hard to overlook any of that. Mm-hmm. So... But you see someone like um, Jonathan Thurston, mm-hmm. undoubtedly a great footballer, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. How many premierships did he win? Two. There you go. And to me, and they're a long way apart. Yeah. Very different and circumstances too. Exactly. Um, and I featured, you know, didn't get his side to a grand final too often. Mm-hmm. You know, rarely would probably be more accurate. And his last season was, he was a passenger. Yeah, one season too many, unfortunately. Yeah. That's not to say that he doesn't deserve to become an immortal. He definitely deserves to be in the discussion. But it does show how one season, especially if it's a last season, can make people look a lot differently on someone's career. Yes, it's recency bias. But that's why it's good to have that long gap after someone's retired, before you start looking back on their career and find out whether they're going to be an immortal or not. Because if you look at it straight away, you'll always look at their last season and go, if they have if they had a bit of a meh season, then you're going to go, meh, they're not going to be an immortal. And you'll yeah, really exactly. pass them over. Exactly. And look, I think over the course of my lifetime, like when I think of the immortal players that I've seen, it's like, like Wally Lewis was undoubtedly an immortal with just not even question. Mm. Um, I think uh, Andrew Johns was definitely an immortal. I don't think that's a question, but some people do question it, and that's fine. Um, I would say the only other one, and I know you wouldn't agree with me on this one, is Darren Lockyer. I think he was an immortal. And then the last one would be Cameron Smith. I can handle Lockyer and Smith being inducted. Yeah. But as I said before, I think there's a lot of players who played the game between 1908 and the end of World War Two, who have been completely ignored. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. That's yeah, and people will say, oh, but we inducted Dave Brown, Daly Messenger, and Frank Burge. What more do you want? And going, that's three people in 45 years. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not accurate. No. How can you overlook so many other people that played in that region who the game was built around? Mm. And I know I've said it before, and I'll Fuck it, I'm going to bang on about it. It's Duncan Thompson, man. He was regarded as the best halfback this country had ever seen from when he retired in the mid-20s up until 2000 when Andrew Johns took the title off him. Yeah. He taught Wayne Bennett skills on how to be a coach, which means so long as Wayne Bennett remains a coach, Duncan Thompson's legacy remains in the game on the field. 
Mm-hmm. Who else can say they've got a legacy that's lasted a century? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'd, I would say another thing about the Immortals list is if you if you are a forward, good luck making it. Exactly. Because I, th- I would say the two best front rowers I've seen in my lifetime are Shane Webke and Glenn Lazarus. And you, I've never heard anyone even mention them as immortals. Nope. And look, if, if somebody wanted to put them forward as an immortal, I would not question it for a, a second. Because they were just... It, whenever I judge a front rower now, they're the two players I judge them against. Um, but they, they wouldn't... They will probably never be immortals, and especially when you look at Lazarus and how many premiership winning teams were built around him. And like he turned up, we talk about someone like a James Maloney as a winner. No one was a better winner than Glenn Lazarus. Yeah, he was. I think that's about the thing that gets me about Lazarus is we all know he was a big unit, mm. and he did a lot of heavy work, mm-hmm. and he played an hour minimum every week. You know, phenomenal, phenomenal um, motor on him. Yeah. Cutting, lugging that big frame around. And he did it as the game was going from its semi-professional phase into its full-time professional phase. Yeah, and he was elite in both of them. Like, he was probably, you know, he's probably one of the few forwards you could, uh, front rowers that you could pick from the 80s and put him into today's game. And you would... Not only not lose anything, you'd have one of the best front rowers in the game today. Yeah, I agree. You know, so and, and you know, I I think that that's a problem. You know, back rowers as well, they're difficult to get in. Hookers are. That's why Cameron Smith. I mean, his resume to become an immortal is so overwhelming because it kind of has to be. Yeah, another one is wingers. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, no wingers in there. Mm-hmm. So. And I know I've said it before, but yeah, I had a system in place where I'd I'd have two players from every decade would mm-hmm. be inducted. And all you had to do to qualify was you had to play at least one game in that decade. So that would make up for those periods where you may have three players in one decade yeah, and only one in a decade either side of it. You could just say, right, you go in the previous decade or you go in the one after and we can have these other two here and it, you can make it all balance out. Yeah. And it just made it, um, because you could do that, it also meant it became a bit more complicated picking who the Immortals are going to be. If you look at it now, who are you going to pick for the 2000 to 2010 period and the 2011 to 2020 period when you've got the likes of Andrew Johns already in there? Mm -hmm. And then you can chuck in Brad Fittler, Darren Lockyer, Cameron Smith, obviously Billy Slater, Greg Inglis, Jonathan Thurston, you put in Cronk if you want. Tom Malalo could be in the conversation. Um, yeah, we've just rattled nine names off the top of our heads there, and there's going to be others. Yeah, like because I can't imagine from what I've seen of him already, I can't imagine Tom Malolo will not be an immortal because he's doing he's breaking records for go forward in an era where there's never been more great forwards in the game. And you could pick him either in the last, the or the, the last decade, I guess, 2010 to 2020, or the next decade. But you've, I think you kind of have to pick him. I can't imagine not picking him. 
you there'd have to be a bloody good player that would get ahead of him. So, and then you've like Cameron Smith, obviously. It's just so difficult. But I agree with you. It, by restricting it, it means that only the elite players get in, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and that, that's what you want. I think you also, if you could have a a period where a player has to be retired for at least 10 years before they can be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And also, bef- oh, sorry, 10 years before they can be inducted in as an immortal, but they also have to be a Hall of Famer before they get made an immortal. Yeah, yeah. Make sure they go through all the steps. You can't mm-hmm. have any fast-tracking going on. That way you get rid of that recency bias. Yeah, and the recency bias is it's a rough one because you do need that disconnect from a player to be able to judge them fairly um, against their peers. And you also got to judge them. You've got to judge the time frame they were part of as much as them themselves as well, I believe. Exactly. So should we go through what I've listed as the mortals under my concept? Yeah, you know what? It would be cool to... I, we haven't talked about this before. I think it would be cool to have these players, and you'd have to call them something other than immortals, I guess. But maybe we can put together something where these are like the elite players of all time. Like, would you like to do something like that? Sure. Okay, let's do that. So, but yeah, but let's go through them. Like, tell me who, who the players are you would have. All right, so to make this work, I've also starting with the 1900 to 1909 decade. Okay. Because the game yep. started essentially 1907 here. Okay. Um, so in that period, I've got Daly Messenger and Arthur Holloway. Mm-hmm. 1910 to 1919, I've got Frank Burge and Duncan Thompson. Yeah. Uh, 20s, Harold Horder and Jimmy Craig. Mm-hmm. 30s, Dave Brown and Herb Steinhort. Mm-hmm. 40s, Clive Churchill and Duncan Hall. Mm-hmm. 50s, Reg Gasney and Norm Proven. 60s, Graham Langlands and Johnny Raper. 70s, Bob Fulton and Ken Irvine. 80s, Wally Lewis and Arthur Beetson. 90s, Mel Meninga and Andrew Johns. So now we get to the point of 2000 to 2009 because it's been a decade since that that era ended. Yeah. So now we can decide who goes in the 2000 to 2009 decade. So you can pick anyone who played at least one game in that era so that means someone like i think bradley clyde would qualify if you you know as an example not i'm not putting four but yeah yeah um brad fitler would qualify oh definitely um i guess ricky stewart probably would langer would webkey lazarus don't know lazarus retired in 99 um yes i've already ruined that one for you no, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> See, it's a good thing. I, I find this is a good thing because by restricting it, you really have to think through it, you know? And that's the thing. People think that I'm by having it two people each decade, Like one of the arguments I've had up against it was you'd be putting in someone who didn't deserve to be there. Mm. But I've not actually named anyone that doesn't deserve to be there. I think you've got to put Darren Lockyer in there. Well... The way I look at it is, if you look from 2000 to 2020, yes. name who you think the four players would be in those 20 years. Okay. And I want you to do it too, because this is your concept, all right? So I would say, if I had to pick four players from those 20 years, I'd say one of them would have to be Darren Lockyer. 
One of them has to be Cameron Smith. Yep. Um, I, you know what? I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. I feel like Greg Inglis would be one for me. And then the other one, it might be Benji Marshall. See, I'd put Benji in there, but I know a lot of people don't like that idea because he only had one premiership, only played in three final series, I think. Well, for the West Tigers anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but who would be your four players? I've Well, look, I, I'm i a bit like you. I can't look past uh, Darren Lockyer or Cameron Smith. Yep. The only two Australians, that are, to my knowledge, that played 50 tests or more. Yeah. That's something that you can't overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also have Brad Fittler in there. Okay, yeah. And I'm still debating on who the fourth would be because there's also someone like Laurie Daly. Yeah, he'd be able to make it. He'd be in there. Um, Andrew Eddinghausen. Billy Slater. Billy Slater. I think Slater is definitely in a discussion, in that discussion. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been compared with Clive Churchill. Yeah. I mean, he has to be in that discussion. And I'd probably be inclined to put Slater in the head of Inglis. But, you know, it's a tough call. Yeah, and you know what? And this, this is the thing. And this is what makes it so great. Because... You say that, and I, I, I can't even say, nah. It's like, oh, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. You well, know, that, that's... The other thing the, you got going, too, is because it goes from, yeah, if, if Cameron Smith plays... No, actually, it goes to, to 2019 is the second decade. So because Cameron Smith played in 2020, he can qualify for 2020 to 2029. You know what I mean? So that yeah. means that you can forego him and put him in the next decade, mm-hmm. which means, unfortunately, you'll only be able to pick one other player from the next 10 years. Yeah, and that's a thing. That's a, And that's pretty rough. But that could be Tuvasa-Shek. It could be Tedesco. It could be Tormalolo. Mm-hmm. You know? So even when you look at it that way, you're still not pruning out. You're still not, sorry, you're still not including someone who doesn't deserve to be in that conversation. Yeah, we've just named three pretty bloody decent players. Yeah, going to be up there in that in that conversation. I think if say you you're projecting for next decade, I think that uh, Tedesco and Tomalolo, it take Cameron Smith out of it, but those two definitely are on that sort of trajectory. I think Tomalolo more more so. Uh, I think Tedesco's still got things he needs to do. You know, and you never know who's coming as well, which is the cool mm. thing about rugby league. I think we don't know what's going to happen with the likes of Kalen Ponga, who's had such a great start to his career already. Yeah, yeah. Um, Papenhausen's another one. Fuck, look, know, Harry it, Grant. Exactly. Yeah, Harry Grant. I mean, Cleary. look what he's done in one year. Yeah. Yeah, Nathan Cleary, he's still only young, already played, you know, Origins and played in the grand final already. Yeah, if in 10 years' time we could be saying, well, Cleary's already the top point scorer of all time, you know? Yeah. And he's got another, fuck, by then he could have another six seasons ahead of him. You never know with the way that things progress. And if if little feats like being a top point scorer or try scorer in the game's history is something that gets viewed as 
something that de- deserves to be prominent mm-hmm. for an immortal, mm-hmm. then you're also going to have to leave space for the very real possibility that Jared Croker could become the top point scorer. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I think that it's it's an addition to a resume, you know? Oh, God, I agree. Like, say, say Cameron Smith wasn't a goal kicker at all. It wouldn't change how I felt about him being an immortal. Yeah. Would it change your opinion of it? Um, no, like you, I think I think it definitely needs to be um, the point scoring, stuff like that has to be, it's like a cherry on top sort of thing. It's not the yeah. main reason why you pick them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, see, I'm, I'm probably looking at Fittler, Lockyer, Smith and Slater. Fittler, I think would be my four. Smith and Slater. I can't argue. I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it at that point. I really can't. Look, Greg Inglis is going to play on next year. Put him in the next 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you can do. You can just go then. But, yeah, the problem with that, obviously, is I've just named, essentially, four playmakers. Yeah, and where do the... Where you know where did the props come into it? Where did the back rowers come into it? Yeah. Let's think. Um, who do you drop out of those four, and which four do you bring in to replace them with? That's such a tough one. It really, really like, is. Would Nathan Hindmarsh make that list? See, it, he wouldn't make my he wouldn't make my conversation. What about you? Probably not. Um, okay. So, what forwards? Let's look at just forwards. Well, what forwards would be in your conversation? I know you may not like it, but um, given that he achieved everything there is to achieve, Paul Gallon. Yeah, I, I is, don't like that. <laughs> no, I know, I know you don't. But the yeah. thing is, you look at if you look at purely statistically what he achieved on the field, mm-hmm. he did play at the elite level a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of tests. He won an Origin Series Australia. Sure, he uh, Origin Series with New South Wales. Sure, he lost quite a lot of them, mm-hmm. but he did captain a winning Origin side. Um, he did captain a team that won a premiership. Mm-hmm. These are all big ticks. And these are the ticks that they usually try and say that these are things you need to do as a bare minimum to be considered an immortal. That was until Frank Birch got in because he never won a premiership. Um, you know, there's there's those things. Obviously, yeah, Benji Marshall, as we said. Um, but just looking at forwards, right? Okay, just forwards. The other ones... You got, to, you got to put Steve Menzies' name up. Menzies? Seven receiver. Seven receiver, yeah. Um, hmm. Luke Lewis? Mm, see, he wouldn't be in my conversation. I mean, Tal Malolo, I guess, is yeah. definitely in it. Um, ben Kennedy? See, I think he was overrated. Uh, Bradley Clyde, like uh, he he would be in the conversation. Yeah, he's got to be. Um, who else? And Bradley Clyde just makes the conversation too. Yeah, he, he finished in two thousand. He hobbled through the year. Yeah, he had a. He's at the end of his career was pretty sad, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Did Paul Harrigan play in 2000? 
I don't think he did, no. I think he... Oh, hang on. Someone went to a... No, he didn't. What was... When did he retire? Was it 99? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's... At the end of his career, was pretty rough too. Yeah. So it's... That's the thing. You, you, want, you want to try and add forwards in there, but it's, it's hard work to do. But And I think that that is because especially over the last well from say 1990 onwards when we from 1990 you had a lot of of great modern day forwards because we'd moved out of the the um <coughs> excuse me the five meter rule into the 10 meter rule yeah that's a big and that 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 rule change alone allowed backs to dominate games a lot more sped the yeah. game up um, it stopped being a forward game where you just bash and bash through the middle all the time, and the backs just dominated play. Yeah, and I th- I also think from from that point on, we've seen the d- depth of forwards. <coughs> Excuse me, I still got a funny throat, eh? Just a bit um, of Rona. Yeah, it's just the Rona. I I think that we we've seen the forward depth get better and better over time since 1990, and it's. You know, to stand out amongst forwards these days, you've got to be doing something absolutely extraordinary. That's right. And, and so that's why I think that you, you can cut that list down so much very quickly because the real elite forwards, they stand out and they do it over a long period of time as well. Yeah, that's right. Because um, one player I personally would have liked to put in there, but I know um, wouldn't, wouldn't get the award, would have been someone like uh, Paul Sirenen. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I thought about him because he was he was truly an elite forward, but, you know, this he's fighting against a bunch of players that it, are just undeniable. That's the problem. That's the problem, yeah. So it's... And as I said, that's, that's the sort of situation I have. People may think that there's too many, mm. but... Uh, that's just nonsense. No, I've got no problems with it. Because you think there's, what, 20-odd players there? Yeah. Out of, what, 20,000? Yeah. No, it's not too many. And it, it shows, I, I always think, and I said it before, it, you when you look at a list like this, you want it to be a snapshot that you can look at that list and say, okay, the, these were the dominant players in these eras. You exactly. Know, and I think that that's what your concept does very, very well. And that's that's right. And you can see the way the game changed. It sort of went from being um, playmakers. There was a period where it went to the forwards for a fair chunk. Mm-hmm. And then swung back to playmakers. You know, as the game became more modernised, the playmakers came back into it again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's... Yeah, I don't think there'd be obviously because I come up with the idea, but I don't think that what I've got there is that bad. It's something that the game should probably generally consider. And I've named every current immortal in there, so I've not left any out. Yeah, I've built everything around the, the already named immortals. I like it. I really like it. Um, yeah, no, it's it's something. I, I I would like to put that on my list as a something. And if you call it, I don't know what you call it. But if you call it something, I think it's something that uh, people will pay attention to because it, it is. 
I think having the structure is is fantastic for something like that. I think making sure every decade of the game, because no decade is more important than any other decade. That's right. And I think that making sure every decade is represented, and it really does. It shows the the you know the direct lineal you know champions of our game. Yeah, and as I said, if you can get an absolute legend, Cameron Smith's a good example mm-hmm. that can play just one season into the next decade, then he's across three decades. So you can you can work him, you can work around him. Yeah, if you've got one decade that's only got one standout player, name them alongside Smith for that decade, and then you can have two for the others if there's two for each one, mm-hmm. and you've always got that one spot available as the decades wear on. Yeah, you know, so it's it does make it a bit more easy to sort of manage who gets in and who gets where because then you actually are only getting the elite of the elite. You're not trying to justify someone who doesn't deserve to be there. The other thing is too, if you, and I use Tomalolo as an example, if you say, okay, we're going to push Tomalolo's eligibility into the decade between twenty twenty one and twenty thirty, if somebody comes along that is better than Tomalolo, that's fair enough. He misses out, yeah, you know, because he could, he wasn't good enough to be named before that, and it means somebody come along and and overtook what he was doing and. I think that I really do. It's a really good method that you've got there, and I think it would be great if the game adopted it. I've, I, yeah, I think this is something that really should be looked at. As I said, there's only seven extra names I've mentioned there. Yeah. On top of who they've already got as immortals. Yeah. And they're all worthy names too. Yeah. There's a few that people aren't going to know too much about, um, which I've been planning on doing um, little bios on. So. Um, Arthur Halloway, mm-hmm. many people don't know about him. He was uh, a halfback for Balmain, the Roosters, Glebe, uh, from the very early days. And then he became a coach. And he's possibly the, I think he's the most successful coach in the game's history. I think he's got 10 premierships as coach. Mm-hmm. No one ever talks about him. They always talk about right. Wayne Bennett as a super coach. Yeah. This bloke did it as a, as a captain, as a captain coach, and then as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable footballer. Um, Doug Thompson I've spoken about endlessly. Harold Horder, unbelievable try-scoring freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Craig. The only best way to describe Jimmy Craig um, success-wise is very similar to um, James Maloney in the sense that it didn't matter which club he went to, success just followed him around. Yeah. But he was also one of the most uniquely... Um, skilled players out there and could play in any role and played nearly every single position, I think, except prop on the field and excelled at all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a huge reason about, you know, about helping Queensland go from being also rands and whipping boys to dominating the twenties in the interstate games. Mm -hmm. Huge reason behind that. Um, Herb Steinort, another Queenslander, uh, unbelievable forward. Mm -hmm. Never gets spoken about enough. Uh, Duncan Hall, I think he's a pretty sure he's a Hall of Famer, as is Steinort. Yeah. Yep. Well, they all are. Um, but Duncan Hall, regarded as one of the best forwards that that game had until we had those Dragons teams come along in the, the 60s. And, um, Ken Irvine, highest try scoring winger that we've in in Australia. The rest are immortals. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, it's a great list. It's and it works. It's a system that works, and and that's better than having someone arbitrarily, you know, decide. Oh, I think I'll just name this guy an immortal this year and throw out the one rule we have. Exactly. The other problem you get too is that everybody's going to start putting forward a whole bunch of players mm. from the last thirty years, forty years, and they're going to be judged as being greater than players from the first 40 years because no one saw those guys from the first 40 years play. And that's not fair. No, no. And the, the thing is, too, a lot of the excuses are, well, no one saw them play. And it's like we have so much documented evidence about the champions of our game from those eras. Mm. You know, it's not like we don't know what happened. Exactly. Exactly. I mean... I mean, the Duncan Thompson one's a good one. The fact that even in 1990, he was still regarded as the greatest ever halfback the game had seen. Mm. And some of those people who were making those comments never saw him play because he finished playing in the 1920s. Yeah. 70 years before. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bunch of 70-year-olds that were on the judging panel or 90-year-olds on the judging panel, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. You know? So people were able to know based on what they'd heard, what they'd read, what they'd being, you know, told from former players and stuff like that. That's the evidence you use. Yeah. That's how we decided the Frank Burge, dummy messenger, Dave Brown. That's how we know that they should all have been inducted. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't use, you can't use anecdotal evidence to induct three players, but then say that anecdotal evidence isn't enough to induct others. Yeah. 100%. 100%. It's uh. You know, I I never understood why it was the post post war immortals to begin with, and well, I was happy that they started putting the pre war immortals in. Initially, it was just to sell ports, so they wanted people who were alive to help sell it. To know, yeah, true. that was that was it. That is true. Yeah, um, I bet that's all it was. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So let's just get the four most famous. Rugby league players in the games history, and they're trying to make sure they've got someone who is current in this, like still playing. Mm. And we will make them immortals, and they can help us sell port. And it was, it was too good an, a marketing idea and concept for the game's history to ignore. See, what you need is a good name for it. You don't like immortals? I or think. Do you, or, do you, or do you think it's tainted? I think. I. Th- I don't want to say the Immortals have been tainted, but I think that there is a... I think that what you've got is a unique thing. I think it is well thought out. I think that it is easy to understand, and I just feel like it would be cool if it stood on its own two feet as being what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Should we call them then... Should, should these people then be called the Rugby League Gods? Ooh. Feel Good talks about them all the time. Let's, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's put names there. Ooh, I don't mind that one, hey. Or the Untouchables. Is, the, is Untouchables better than Immortals? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. What about, uh, I don't know, Legends seems overused. Yeah, you want something that sounds a bit more grander than you. You want to outrank immortal. <laughs> if we're running the Indian Super League, 
teams, we'd call them the Super Kings. <laughs> the Super Immortals. The Super Immortals. <laughs> there you go. You've got time to work it out. Yeah, we just call them the Mega Immortals. Mega Immortals. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that could work. Mega Immortals. The Rugby League Gods. I might just go with that, I think. Gods, the Rugby League Gods. Now, while we're on, while we're on awards and naming things... Yes. Super League have come out with their, uh, what was it, Dream Team for the 2020? The 2020, is it Betfred Super League Dream Team? Yeah. Right was said announced. Bet, right said Betfred? Yeah. And uh, this was the first time it wasn't voted on by uh, journalists, which I don't, they I think that they got the winners from, um, here, here, let me say, seven, seven of players appear for the first time. Um, Steve, they 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 had some ratings way to do it. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was from Man of Steel points or something like that. Oh yeah, it's based on Man of Steel points. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of like how we get, come to our daily team of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so this the uh, dream team. Should I read it out? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so your fullback is Bevan French from the Wigan Warriors. He's had a good season. Yeah. Your wingers are Ash Handley from the Leeds Rhinos and Kristen Inu from the Salford Red Devils, 33-year-old Kristen Inu. Sprightly. Yeah, he's doing good. A slender man. Yeah. Uh, At the centres, we've got Toby King from the Warrington Wolves. I really thought it was going to be their year this year. And Conrad Hurrell, the ever, what do you call him? Ever Evergreen? present? Evergreen? Ever, yeah. Evergreen. Yeah. Conrad yeah. Hurrell uh, gets in from the Leeds Rhinos. Aiden Caesar is the halfback from Huddersfield Giants. We both said he'd have a good year, and he did. He dominated in, in, in England, as we thought he would. Yeah, we really did. Um, and Johnny Lomax is the other halfback. So they don't do it half and five eight. They just do two halfbacks. Yeah. So Johnny Lomax from St. Helens. He's uh, there every year. Yeah. So overrated. <laughs> um, the props were Mike Cooper from the Warrington Wolves and Alex Wormsley from St. Helens. Uh, the hooker was Paul McShane from the Castleford Tigers. The... Back rowers were Liam Farrell from the Wigan Warriors. Overrated. And I I always get this dude's name wrong. Kalippi Tanganoa. That's it. There you go. He's from Wakefield. Yeah, from Milwaukee. And then the loose forward was Morgan Knowles from St. Helens. We call those locks in Australia. Yeah, I know. I know. There you go. Yeah, it's a really good-looking team, eh? If you put that team on the field... Mm -hmm. Does the England national side, you know, beat that? I would say... Knowing in mind that they've got a few test players in there, but not too yeah. many. I would say no. I think that they beat England, hey? I reckon they'd beat England too. Yeah, I think that they've got a better fullback. Uh, I like Conrad Hurrell better than any any outside back for, for England. I like Aiden Caesar better than any halfback they're going to name. Johnny Johnny Lomax is a bit of an anchor. Um, yeah. Well, Caesar would be the seven. Lomax would be six. I think Lomax works better as a running 
half than he does as an organising half. I just think he is so overrated I can't even begin. <laughs> I really do. I don't see it. I know that uh, other people do, but I don't see it. I, I just think he's the sort of player, if you give him the responsibility of organising and setting up plays and stuff like that, he struggles. But if you have him as a ball runner and take a bit of responsibility off him, you can you can get by with him. He's, he's, a, he's a handy enough player there. Caesar is a good enough organiser to do that on his own. I would say that Johnny Lomax would not stand out in New South Wales Cup. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's my no, that's, personal opinion. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, the forward pack's not too bad. I'm, I, I do have wraps on Mike Cooper. I thought he played really well when he was over here in the NRL for the Dragons. Um, big unit. So it's good to see he's still playing well. I tell you what, Wormsley played all right for Great Britain last year, I believe it was. I think yeah. he was one of the few forwards that I have a feeling he got injured. Um, yes. But he, yeah. he and Cooper, they're both genuine tradesmen. You know, they said that they do all the hard work in the middle and they don't they don't seem to shirk any responsibilities. They're good defenders. They uh, they bend the line when they run into it. That's all you need from, from prop forwards, really. Liam Farrell, dark egg. I don't know. He's one of those Wigan. How many Wigan back rowers that are absolutely bog average do we have to pretend they're good? Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised with the the second rowers. Tanganoa's not too bad, but I I didn't I didn't think either of them were absolute standouts. But you know, I didn't get to see every game either. So why don't maybe we just pret- it's like you know when they pretended O'Loughlin was good, but he's an icon. Exactly. And you don't. I don't really know why. It's like this guy's just hung around for long enough. <laughs> it's, it's like, Long, longevity. That's all you need. Yeah, just can't still here. He must be pretty good. <laughs> I saw uh, somebody on Twitter this week saying that um, if you look at the teams that do well over the course of Super League's history, and there's three of them, because um, one of them's dead. Uh, that you just realise that it's all about their junior development systems, and so that's why it's terrible that they're not having money in junior development systems over there. And it's like, well, they just buy everyone else's players, really. I mean, that's why they're better than everyone else. It's not junior development. No, pretty much the you know, for the Australian fans who don't really follow much of the Super League, the way Super League clubs are, clubs are run is pretty much the same way the Roosters are run. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about juniors. Just buy every other place yeah. from elsewhere. You'll be right. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens when you've got a promotion and relegation system in a, in a competition that doesn't have much money. Yeah. Why, why do I care who my youngsters are going to be who might be good in five years' time when I might be relegated next year? Exactly. Exactly. And, you so, know, we yeah. can't plan for the future. We have to plan for survival. So Wigan and St. Helens made the Super League Grand Final. Uh, yeah, can you think of a more boring, don't care scenario than that? God damn. I tell you what, I don't know. I was so understand. disappointed in Hull too when they trotted out that garbage performance last week. That's what Hull do, hey. And Catalan just got completely destroyed by Saints the day after. Yeah. I went, man, I just wanted one of them to get through. Yeah. Two would have been gorgeous, but one of them, just one, please. And then, no, 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 fuck. And the thing is, too, it'll be, it'll, you'll see it this week. It'll be like, 
Why isn't the national media paying attention to two small towns in northern England that have played each other again and again and again and again and again? I don't understand it. It's like, that's the problem. That is the problem. It's been a problem that's been going on, and it's endemic in the game. Mm-hmm. For, well, we can say it now, decades. Yeah, yeah, we can. We can. It'd be like, you know... People don't like how many times the Storm make the grand final over here. And I get that. Yeah. But the Storm come from a city of, like, what, nearly 4 million people? Mm-hmm. So, it's... I do I, I just... I was so bored with it. There's just... It could have been something really impressive. I know you and me were saying, oh, if they both make the grand final, sit down, watch together... I just don't care about this game. Nope. Sad. So, so boring. Yeah, really is. Really is. It's um, just always the same. How many times has St. Helen played Wigan in the grand final in the Super League? Who cares? Yes, exactly. Who it's fucking a, cares? It's such a wonderful rivalry. It's like, yeah, it's two small teams. Who gives a shit? Yeah, we'll go through it. 2014, they last met in the grand final. St. Helen's won 14 to 6. Um, 2010, Wigan won 22-10. Uh, 2000, St. Helens won 29-16. But, you know, they've played in nearly every... Well, uh, St. Helens, Wigan and Leeds have played in every grand final between 2006... Oh, sorry, won every grand final between 2006 and 2019. If you throw in Bradford, then you're going back to 1990, was it? 91? And then you got uh, thrown witness after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it worked. Uh, t- okay, here's a question for you: What's more impressive, winning a WNBL Grand Final or the Super League Grand Final? Yeah, the first one. <laughs> I'd want to hear that story. Well, look. Let's be honest. At the start of the WNBL season, no one's going to know who's going to win that premiership. True. You don't even know who the top four teams are going to be. Exactly. At the start of the 2030 Super League Premiership, you know which of the top three teams are going to be. Leeds, Wigan, St. Helens. Yeah, yeah. may not be in that order, but they'll be the top three. It'll be the same in 2040. It'll be the same in 2050. The same in 2060, if it still fucking exists by then. Probably just be by then. By 2040, it'll just be a tri-series between St. Helens, Leeds, and Wigan. So they'd save money if they did that. <laughs> well, that's if they if they um, realise that they shouldn't be playing 40 games every year. <laughs> you know, that, it's funny. I don't think the game over there is going to last that long, especially with the trajectory it's on. Um, it'll, it, look, it'll last. You reckon? Yeah, because I don't think, I don't think the NRL alone will let Super League die. And I don't think that I'm not saying that they'll invest money in it, but I think they will find a way to keep it struggling afloat, so to speak. I, they, I, don't, I, they don't want the game to die over there. I think that the NRL will have no choice but to just watch a bunch of morons setting their own house on fire and then saying, but at least we're warm, you know, because that's all Super League is. See, the NRL, though, is run by. Um, Businessman, which the Super League has never been done by. So what the NRL will do, okay, is they'll go, you know what, if we want to expand this competition, we'll just wait until the people running Super League 
devalue the living shit out of it until we can buy it for a dollar. And that's what yeah. they'll do. And they'll go, right, we're going to clean it out and do it our way. And because they've got all the money and they've got all the authority and they know what they're doing, clubs aren't going to be able to have much of a say, if any at all. Imagine if the NRL just went straight to France and said, hey, France, we want to invest in French Rugby League and we want to bring in a couple of expansion clubs from the UK. How cool would that be? Imagine if the expansion clubs were St. Helens, Leeds and Wigan. I know, right? (laughs) And you know the funny thing is, they would leave English Rugby League system in a second for the cash. Oh, yeah. Of course, of course. That's why I think eventually they'll be bought by the Rugby Football Union. I because And I've said this. I think that uh, the game over there will just be devalued to a point where the people that own certain clubs will see their, that what they've invested, it will just be worth nothing. You know, and the Rugby Football League, Rugby Football Union will come in and say, hey, you know, you think that, that just is worth nothing. We'll buy all the rights to the logos and the colours and the use of the stadiums, uh, and you'll get some money out of this. And, and you know, there'll be it'll be either that or they can just watch their money and just go down the drain. They'll have no choice, really. That's what I think will happen. Yes. Now, one other thing. Yes. Well, we're talking about over in England. Um, the Rugby League World Cup this week announced that they've just signed this richest ever sponsorship deal with Kazoo. An internet internet company. Yeah. One million pounds. That makes them one million pounds better run than mm-hmm. the Super League. That reminds me, how much was the deal with Lincoln Financial Group for? <sighs> I can't remember. I just can't remember. Because well, the media remember... releases I saw said that this deal was the richest one that the Rugby League World Cup has ever had before from a major sponsor. Yeah. Well, that's good news. Yeah. I believe they still used cars. That, that's what it is. There's an online, online car, car car website or something like that. Yeah. There's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone, I love car websites, hey? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what's, what's better than a bunch of used car salesmen selling shit on the internet? Nothing. Fine by me. Yeah. If, if they're forking out the coin, I don't care what they sell. Yeah, exactly. So good luck yeah, to them. But um, you know, I'd like to see them actually supplying second-hand cars for the entire Rugby League World Cup. Oh, you know it. You a few know Dacia Sanderos getting around. They would be a bunch of second-hand Bentleys or something. You know <laughs> how the deal works. Dinked it up and patchy paint jobs on them. Yeah. Bunch, <laughs> of, bunch of Jags that break down every 15 Ks. Someone, someone turning up at home and in 1992 Rolls Royce. <laughs> it's like they they even had, you know, power windows back then. Uh, you just know it'll just be a whole heap of Hondas, though. <laughs> <laughs> can't kill a Honda. You can't kill a Honda. Everyone's driving around in lawnmowers. Yeah. It's, uh, look, it's good news. I don't yeah. know where we're going to be with the World Cup. I think yeah. they're still being pretty ambitious. They are. Um, the Rugby League, uh, what is it, World Club Challenge is, is going to be pushed back next year as well. I heard it was cancelled. Um, I, I haven't heard it's been cancelled yet. I, I may not have 
got the uh, more updated news. All I heard was that it had been pushed back, mm-hmm. um, but they weren't too sure when they were going to play it because it was a very busy schedule next year. But there's okay. last I heard there was talk that they may play it mid-season. Oh, that would be bad for... Because I can't imagine as the NRL team's going to fly over. That would be... There's just too much, too many moving parts to sort out. Yeah. So if it's if a Super League team comes over here and takes on the Melbourne Storm in mid-season form, they they could lose by 80 points. Unless Melbourne sends over a second-string side yeah. with Cameron Smith as captain. Yeah. They, I guess that could work. Yeah. Send over their... Uh, Queensland Cup affiliate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. See how that goes. And they'll probably do it during the origin period, so they've probably got a lot of players off and available to play. It'll be interesting to see a World Club challenge during origin time with the Melbourne Storm with their origin players not in the team. Mm. I'd I'd watch that game. I'd be very curious to see how that went. Yeah. So that's there. Um, was there anything else? Oh, the West Tigers have signed James Roberts. Yeah, James Roberts. He'll uh, he, you know, he had a, a pretty sad ending to his South's career. Um, yeah, he's got he... a a was that leave due to personal reasons or something like that from yeah. South. Yep, yep. Um, and so the Tigers signed him on a two-year deal, I believe it was. And it wasn't a very expensive one, which is pretty rare for the Tigers. Yeah, normally they pay overs. Which may suggest that Roberts is on one of his last chances, I guess, as a footballer. Like, if he fails at the yeah. West Tigers, who's going to pick him up? Well, you know, the problem I think he has is last year when he was at Souths and he start, he, he just didn't look good on the field. No, and he when, didn't. He didn't fit in with the, with the game plan there whatsoever. And the the thing is, when he when he was out of the team, they didn't miss him at all. No, and that's a problem. Yeah, um, mind you, he's coming to the West Tigers and he's replacing Moses and Bai, so he is an upgrade. Definite upgrade, one hundred percent. Yeah, I wonder um, where they put Mbai though. Well, it's been the uh, the source of conversation, I guess, for me on on Twitter the last few days is. Because they've made Embi captain, although I believe part of Tamo's contract was that he would be captain of the club. Oh, really? So if that's the case, Embi's on the bench. He's expensive benchy, but he's on the bench. He'd be, you know what? He's a handy player to have on the bench. He's versatile. He's not going to come on and, you know, set the world on fire, but he can play pretty much anywhere in the back line if you really need him. Yeah, and he's not going to be on the field for 80 minutes. That does help. <laughs> mm. Do you just eat his salary in first uh, in New South Wales Cup? I, I I don't. I think the Tigers are going to need to have a genuine ball-playing nine sitting on the bench mm-hmm. all season next year. For, for you know, Just because Jacob Little is obviously the, the starting nine now, mm-hmm. and... He is a very talented attacking player. Yeah. Um, reasonable enough in defence. But the amount of injuries he's had has meant that he's never... I don't think he's ever played an 80-minute game. So we're going to need... If he stays fully fit, we're going to need someone on there to help cover him when he can't play the full 80 minutes. Yeah. And if he does get injured, then we need someone there who can 
play in place of him. So we're going to need a, a genuine nine on the bench, and Moses and Bai is not that. No. Um, but people say Billy Walters can play hooker. I don't want a makeshift hooker who no. we may have to carry for an entire season if if um, if Little gets injured again. I hope he doesn't because he's he showed that he's he's a pretty handy footballer um, when he when he was playing, and he's going to get his first full off season this year, which is fucking relieving. Yeah, so I want to see nothing more than I want to see that kid succeed. I saw um, some Tigers fans during the week saying that the Penrith Panthers should release Dane Laurie from his contract so that he could join the club. Well, yeah, Laurie signed from twenty twenty two. Mm-hmm. And I believe the Tigers are looking at him as a fullback. So that means that Dewey will then have to move either into, well, I assume into 5'8", because mm-hmm. um, by 2022, Josh Reynolds will be gone. Um, so that would mean Dewey's going to be the genuine six. See, because I called Dane Laurie in, uh, in reserve grade in New South Wales Cup. And from what I've seen of him, he feels to me like a natural 5'8". I don't think he's a fullback. I know even Penrith played him at fullback, but I just feel like he's a 5'8". Yeah, I'm I'm not sold on him being a, a fullback either. Mm-hmm. I suppose the problem the Tigers have got is who's the better fullback, him or Dewey? Who's the better 5'8", him or Dewey? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what they do there. I like I and Laurie's one of those players that Penrith can't keep all of them. And good luck to everyone that leaves the Panthers because that's just how it works. But um, and, and I think I think it's fair to say at the start of the year there it was probably he was probably vying with Burton and Lawai for the for the five eighth role at Penrith and and you know yeah it just didn't fall his way unfortunately but. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I Every time I've seen him play in reserve grade, I've seen a 5'8". They haven't seen a fullback. And what I've seen of him at fullback in first grade has kind of confirmed it for me too. Well, that's the thing. Usually when you get those blokes who are a 5'8", who can fill in a fullback, they mm-hmm. don't tend to be genuinely good ball-running fullbacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Matt Moylan's a classic example. Mm-hmm. But all jokes aside, Matt Moylan does not run the ball back hard at fullback. He's a playmaker. That's what he tries to be the whole time. Yeah. Um, Dewey's developed a decent enough kick return game at fullback. Mm. So I'd be inclined to persevere with him and keep him there because I don't think Mbai's a very good fullback. But on the flip side, Mbai's defense is sketchy. And if you put him at 5-8, he's going to be a target. Whereas if he's a fullback, he doesn't have to do much tackling at all. He's just going to be positioned properly. Yeah. Most of the field kicks. <clears throat> so, it's a tough one. Moses and Bai's just become the, you know, he's become the West Tigers, Kirk Gidley, really. He really has. It's uh, it's weird. We, we keep coming back to the West Tigers, and it's because it's such a weird situation like i know that you follow them and and stuff but i i know that i i know from my point of view i look at what they they do and i look at how they put their team together and stuff and i just find it such a strange strange situation that's it's why cha- it's chaotic it really is and it's like they like if if you said to me 
their starting front rowers that they start next season with aren't even at the club yet, I would be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, anything's on the table. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a weirdly run club. Mm. And they do it every year and they struggle every year and they don't change their way they do things. And it's just, it's baffling. It really is. It's insane. It really is. It's, I mean, it is a genuine definition of insanity, doing the same thing all the time, expecting something different. Yeah, and the the other thing that shocks me is that they don't there doesn't seem to be a plan there you would feel like somebody at the club would say look we got to stop this and we got to have a plan you know we need to build we need to build our junior development we need to just build a good pack of forwards something you know it's just it's a scattergun approach it is it is but that's um they're playing to their strength <laughs> You know, if, if, if you, you had to put your money on it, do they finish above tenth next year? No. Yeah. How, I, how, how can they? I mean, their two best playmakers all year this year are not at the club next year, and that's Benji Marshall and Harry Grant. Yeah. And Harry Grant took that team from being a wooden spoon contender to a ninth place contender. Mm-hmm. And they don't have him next year. Yeah. Um. Little's good enough to replace one of them, but there's no one there that can replace both to replace the other one. No. That's a huge loss. And when you throw in, like, their forwards are going to be quite a bit weaker if you look at the way it's going at the moment. Um, it's It could get really messy for the Tigers next year, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, they've lost Eisenhuth. They've lost, um, well, Elijah Taylor hasn't been resigned, and I doubt he will be. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, uh, I keep forgetting his name, Sam, young fellow Sam. He's, he's gone to the Titans. Uh, Josh Alawai is on the outer. And Tamo's come in. I'm not, that's not a slander on Tamo. He's had a great no. year, but yeah. one, one Ford will never replace three. No, no. Titans and, and... learnt that from when they had Adam Blair there trying to replace two other forwards. Mm-hmm. Geniuses. <laughs> One's better <sighs> than two. That was that was the second worst decision the West Tigers have made. What do you reckon was the worst? Jason Taylor. You don't reckon it was? I see. I feel like the worst decisions they've ever made, and I I put it in the collection when they had all that money when they merged and they just spent it all on old players. No, that's just a typical thing. Okay. <laughs> That's just a bit of, like they'd finished with Mick Potter. They'd paid out Sheens, and they thought the best possible option they had available to them was Jason Taylor. Mm. One of those options they had available to him at the time, and I know you're not a big fan of him, was Nathan Brown, but he's a better option than Jason Taylor. Ooh. I don't know. I, I, I I'm think not... the. I think I'm not fact, a Nathan Brown fan, though. I, like, I, know, I know you're not, but are you are you that much of a Jason Taylor fan that you think he's better? I, I'm not than a Nathan Jason, Brown. I'm not a Jason Taylor fan, right? I think he's a pretty good defensive coach, weirdly. Um, but I, I and I think that the thing that probably lets him down is his man management side of the game. Um. 
but he's purely he's, coaching, I would take him over Nathan Brown. See, Taylor cannot coach an attacking structure to save his life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's and, and it's weird because he was a halfback. That's right. Um, defensively, he didn't. He he was good in his first year at the Tigers, but they just they did not get better. You know, and it was a. Remember when he was at Souths? It was kind of a similar thing. Like they started to look pretty good defensively, and then it just disappeared really quick. Yeah. I yeah. and I I do I feel like he. I, I think that whatever it is about him, he just loses his players quick if he's the main voice. And, you know, I don't understand what that is. I think you'd have to be around him. He's a successful assistant coach. Like, he, he's in demand as an assistant coach. And not in demand, but, you know, he, he never has problems finding a job as an assistant coach. I just, yes. it's very strange that a halfback, and he was a pretty handy halfback, is can't, isn't really good at putting together a good attack. Yeah, he's hopeless. Mm. Um, and Nathan Brown, the one thing he can do is a clean out. And that's what the Tigers needed when Taylor came along, and it never happened. And that's why Nathan Brown would have been the best player for the club, uh, best coach for the club then, because he would have just come in and he would have wore it on his, on his shirt, you know, just, you know, I'm cleaning them out if they don't like it, stiff shit. He would have wore it with pride and just moved on and cleaned him out. And we could have just ditched him after two or three years after the clean-out was done, bringing a decent coach with the money in the bank, Mm -hmm. go nuts. It just never got to happen. I clearly started that process. I will say this about Nathan Brown. If you need someone to come in, get rid of a bunch of losers, and then have a team that doesn't do shit for years on end and not complain about it, Nathan Brown's your man. Yeah, he, I think <laughs> I think you can argue that he did he did leave Newcastle in a better place than when he started there. Yeah, but it's it, seriously, how difficult he did this, was that going to be? He did the same thing at Huddersfield. He did the yeah, same thing at St Helens. Okay, Huddersfield's completely different. He changed a lot of the way that Super League was played by the way he coached in in Huddersfield. Right, like he 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 went over there and they were like, "What the hell's going on with Huddersfield?" Like he made them a really good team. I'm not going to downplay what he did there at all and then he moved to st helens and did what every single fucking st helens coach not called roy simmons has managed to do right (laughs) (laughs) there's been some terrible coaches that have won super league titles with st helens i know but but, you know i I just don't rate him i just my, my point is he hasn't gone to a club and made it worse when he left look even when he turned up at newcastle he turned up there and that place was in a festering dog shit, and he didn't leave it that way. Sure, it wasn't in a position where it was in the finals, but he yeah. left it with a clean slate so that the next coach coming in had freedom to move, to move the roster around, to make some purchases, to do what he needed to do to get that team successful and into the finals, which has happened. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And it's because he he's not afraid to clean out players when he needs to. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's going to do with the Warriors. They're probably going to have one or two seasons where they struggle. I guarantee by the time he gets to his last year there, they're going to have a better roster than what they've currently got last year or this year. It's just what he does. It's, he's not hes not the coach you bring in to give your team premiership success. He's the coach you bring in when you need to put a broom through a joint and you set it up for the next coach. That's what he does. 
As I, I said, if... that's why I like him to Brian Smith. He was the same thing. Yeah. You bring him in when you need to clean out and get him set up in the right direction. True. Yes. I th- Brian Smith is probably being he's, the best at that. Yeah, and he's a he's a better, far better coach than um, Nathan Brown will ever be. Yeah, yeah. But he's sort of the epitome of that. He's the guy you come in to, to, to right wrongs and sort shit out and get things moving in the right direction. He just understands how to do that better than anyone else. How weird is it with, with Brian Smith? You think about it this way. He brings that that uh, St. George team together and they're in back-to-back grand finals and they get beaten by an, an absolutely outstanding Brisbane team. Okay, He leaves there, goes to Parramatta, builds a machine of a, a team that they just happen to not be able to get the job done. You can say that like they... They had some real tough semi-final losses and stuff, and then they make the grand final, and then they run into Andrew Johns at his best, like at his absolute not playing any better, Andrew Johns. Um, if not for those things that he ran into, like it's not like he wasn't beaten by no one. Like he'd be thought of as one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Really strange, but because he didn't win, no one thinks about him as a... No, like if somebody said, "What about Brian Smith as one of the best coaches of all time?" Like even you and me, we'd say, "Didn't win a premiership." Stop yeah. talking about him. That's right. It's it weird is, how uh, this game can be sometimes, eh? That's a cruel bastard. Mm. It's. Uh, was there anything else that we need to chat about? Pretty um, world. Was, uh, you know, Michael Gordon did some Gold Coasty stuff, but we'll oh, yeah, he's, uh, over that. He found a new spice for his coffee. Yeah, Cartel Coffee is the name of his business, weirdly enough. Check it out. Don't give me yeah. your phone number. Yeah. Uh, don't get the expensive coffee. Yeah. Um, don't don't give him your phone number when you do the contact tracing thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, don't. just get the drive-through. Wear a mm-hmm. face mask. You don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, make sure you I mean, smell the aroma. It's got a good aroma, his coffee. <laughs> I've, I've been told the aroma is lovely. <laughs> if you if you see the universe after your first few sips, you might want to question whether you got the right coffee. Yeah, you might need a refund on that bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you start when you start seeing you like you look down at your arm and all you see is the blood vessels, that's a problem. Okay, they pump they're pumping. Yeah, and they're pumping and they're like they're multicolored. Yeah, they they look like they're pumping glitter through. You got a problem? Okay. Yeah, that, that's right. You, you probably shouldn't have gone with a double shot. Yeah, and yeah. definitely don't get a refill. No, that's right. Um, do you reckon he has better coffee than what any place in Melbourne has? Well, their coffee is famous around the world. <laughs> yeah, it's compared in some places to puddles. Exactly. I know that there are places in Italy where they say yeah, our coffee's pretty good. Then they, they say it in this accent too. They go, "It's pretty good." But it's not like Melbourne's coffee. It's not like Melbourne's. Yeah, Melbourne's is fantastic. Yeah. They even use Italian names on their cafe things to make it sound Italian. Mm. They all end in O. Yeah, that's it. A Mario. Big <laughs> <laughs> <Frico>. freak <laughs> There we go. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the news, isn't it? Yeah, it's been quiet. Nothing else happened? No, no. Next week, this time next week, 
It's the awards. It is the awards. Mm. The King of Rugby League Awards for 2020. We announced them exclusively on Fergie and the Freak podcast. Brought to you by... Manscaped.com. As always. Yeah. And uh, keep, keep your ear out too uh, during the week on the uh, Starting Block podcast. Yeah, because we, I, we just we just might be on there. Was it was it that one we recorded for? I I, I just had to check my DMs. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. We'll see yeah, how much yeah. of the uh, see how much of that five minute piece we gave them actually makes it to air. Five minutes, I know, right? I, I do say they'll snip out the the last four minutes and fifty four seconds of it. There's there's that possibility. Um, if they do, we'll just we'll put it up anyway. Yeah, well, if, if they snip it out, right? And if they do, it's fair enough. I'm waiting for five minutes, but uh, we will post the, it in in its entirety. We'll call, like this week. We'll call it like the I don't know the starting block tribute because they've yeah. done ten years. It was just pretty impressive. That's very impressive. I wonder like how, how many, many episodes they've done in ten years. Probably as many as we've done in two, <laughs> possibly. It's funny, I see some people, like, they do rugby league podcasts and they'll be like, they've been going for years and they'll say, oh, we're doing episode, like, 130. And I'm like, are they even trying? Yeah, come on, fellas, have a crack. I mean, come on. Yeah. Put your back into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a good episode. It's been rather serious. We have. We've gone into Genuine... some topics. Genuine analytics. Yeah, we and see, we had nothing planned. <laughs> nothing planned. We spent a good hour chatting before it, wasting good content, and then we thought, let's just press record, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we're doing here. We are. We really should do that. <laughs> that history episode we've been planning. Yeah, we we actually had one lined up, and then you kiboshed it with some random idea, which I wasn't really fond of, and then we did this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way that I, I I messaged you though during the day saying, "Hey, how about we do this?" And you're like, "Okay, I can sort something out." And then I jump on. And I'm like, "No, fuck that. Let's do something else." <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm like, all oh, this work that I did for this podcast, mind you, I did it probably about eight years ago when I wrote the article. But you know, <laughs> I liked my idea of let me just randomly pick a player off the website and go with that. And, and then, then you pick someone like, from bloody Parramatta for yeah, crying out loud. But, but I pick someone from Parramatta. I can't even remember his name now. And I'm like, let's just start from here. And you're like, how are we talking about him? And I'm like, he's a Parramatta player from 1947. It's an inaugural year. And then all of a sudden we're talking about stadiums and stuff like that. <laughs> this, it's like, yeah, see, it works. <laughs> uh, that's just because we just know how to talk. I know. That's, yeah. It's one thing we can do is talk. That's right. Um, I'm all right at people. You can tune in to us at, uh, online at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook, YouTube. Um, also, check us out at our website, fergonthefreak.com. Yes. You can send us messages from there. Maybe our next one will be a, an email episode. How about that? Sounds good. Have we got emails? Yeah, we do. Ah, good, good, good. We'll, we'll do that then. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't forget to go to manscaped.com. Um, buy anything you want there. When you get to the checkout, put in NRL as your exclusive code. That's our gift to you, and you'll get 20% off free shipping. 
What more do you want? Exactly. And you'll get smooth, smooth balls at the end of it. Even better. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.